0: Hey everyone, this is your host Ellis Hammond. Before we get into the show today, a super short but very special announcement. I am very close to launching my first ever book, The Mission of Multifamily, A Missionary's Journey Towards Financial Freedom Through Apartment Investing. This is really my journey uh, and really what I've experienced and even overcome to get to where I am today today. Uh, and I want to make sure I get you a copy, uh, a free copy, actually, as a way to say thank you for all of your support on this podcast show uh, through this journey that I have really been on as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor. Uh, this book I have poured my heart and soul into. It's not a very long read, but it is a powerful read. And I want to make sure uh, you get a copy so that I can say thank you to your support. And so here's two ways you can do it. You can go to missionofmultifamily.com. That's missionofmultifamily.com. You can put in your email address and you'll be informed as soon as we drop that book so you can get your copy. Or text the word mission to 55444. That's mission to 55444. And that's another way you can get your free copy. Again, thank you so excited for this book to be launched. I appreciate your support and let's get into the episode. Welcome everyone to the Kingdom Capitalist Show, the podcast to help you as a Christian advance God's kingdom through your life, your business, and investing. I'm your host Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind, and with us today we have an awesome guest that um, has been long anticipated. I was telling him on the show he's the most often asked about person, at least in my world. Uh, so excited to have him on the show. Another very successful podcast host, Mr. Michael Blanc. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Ellis, what's going on? It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> hey, man. I uh, also got to didn't and take this offline. I um, you're the my favorite person to impersonate. Um, when it because you're 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 you know, I've listened to your show, the apartment, you know, your syndication show, so many times. Um, that. I say it, I don't know, like I say it in my sleep sometimes, welcome to the Michael Blanc Podcast. So will you just say it on my show for everyone?
1: <laughs> welcome to the Apartment Building Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Blanc. I'm really excited to hear here today.
0: <laughs> yes, I love it, I love it. I I'm love trying
1: it. to develop my radio voice, Alice.
0: By um, the way, did you know, uh, we won't go into this, we can talk off show. I got so much uh, fun stuff we could chat about. But man, I'm grateful that you're here. Um, Michael was gracious to have me on his show a few months back, and we chatted about bringing him on. And we just had a really great conversation about, financial freedom and purpose beyond apartment investing. Um, and and I think that's really what we want to get into today is talking about this idea. And so Michael, um, I'm going to pray for us real quick and then I'm just going to, uh, we'll we'll tee you up, man, introduce you to our audience and get into it. Uh, God, we thank you so much for today and thanks for Michael and just love the mission that he's on to really help people, um, really think about their purpose and really, uh, find the freedom in their finances to be able to do that. And I uh, just pray that his story and uh, God, the, the story that you've kind of even brought him on over the last several years and helping him think um, just about what is the true end goal and destination might really serve our audience as well. And uh, that it would bring glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, all right, Michael. So you got one of the top podcast shows uh, about real estate investing, but who are you, man? Tell us a little bit about your journey, like how you got into real estate because you haven't always been in apartment syndication. Um, tell us, let, let me start there. Tell us what you're doing now and then let's back up and talk about your story.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, today we're one of the leading uh, authorities in multifamily investing uh, in, in, on the educational side. So if you want to learn how to actively invest or pass on invest with the end goal of becoming financially free, We'd like to be your go-to partner for that. Uh, we also uh, uh, invest in multifamily ourselves. We own about seventeen hundred units in the in the southeast. Yeah, so that's kind of what we're what we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, I love it. And how how are things going? On and I know you know we're in a really interesting season. Talking about multifamily, just real quick, a quick update. Things are going okay.
1: Yeah, things are going better than we had feared. Uh, and earlier earlier on, uh, people uh, appear to be choosing to pay their rents. And so collections are about even maybe slightly down, but uh, nothing earth shattering. Now, we don't know what's going to happen moving forward as some of the subsidies run out, but for, for now, uh, we're, we seem to be in relatively good shape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, I want to get into your story, man, cause it is so interesting, you know, and you've, you know, guys taught you a lot on this journey towards financial freedom yourself. And so, um, And I know our audience wants to know who is the man behind the mic, right? Like I was telling you, a lot of people ask about you. And so I think this could be a really cool show, man, just to get to know Michael Blanc, your story, and then how that has just been impacted, you know, impacted your vision, your mission. So take us back a little bit, man. Like what was happening before apartment syndication?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was never surrounded by any entrepreneurs. So I, you know, my dad was with IBM for 35 years. He started there, retired there. So, you know, I was taught to go to go to school, get good grades, which I did. I got straight A's fairly easily and then got a job and I decided to go into computer science. I have a, got a master's in computer science and started off as a programmer, then spent some time at America Online. And then went to a, st- a software startup called Web Methods in the late 90s. It wasn't the right place, right time. We went public in March of 2000, uh, right as, a, as, an, as a, the stock market collapsed at that mm-hmm. time. But anyway, the point is put a bunch of money in my pocket, which was great. And I coasted along for... You know, until I read this blue, this purple book called Rich Dad Poor Dad, which subsequently ruined my life <laughs> because I read that book and I was like, man, I'm such an idiot. You know, it doesn't matter how much money I have in a bank or what my salary is; it depends on, you know, what, how much passive income I have. And I had a bunch of money, but it wasn't like where I could sit on my butt for the rest of my life and not do anything. But I really, the idea of financial freedom really struck a chord with me. So after a significant hemming and hawing, I, I decided to throw my, my, my education and my professional career away. In pursuit of financial freedom, so because I had a bunch of money in, a, in in the bank, I went. I just did everything. I took a stock trading boot camp. I uh, learned how to flip houses. I took an apartment building boot camp. Uh, but my big idea was restaurants, and the reason is, hear me out. The reason is because I was surrounded by these Five Guys Burgers franchisees, and they're like, "Oh, it costs this much to open. You hire a guy, they run everything. You sat back and count the passive income." I'm like, "Sweet, that's what I." So I went all in. I took all my chips. Got into now not the Five Guys Burgers. I would have crushed it. But it was something else it was a pizza franchise also not shabby and it worked very well until about the recession hit mm. and then it didn't work so well and i'll make a long story short i've subsequently lost my ipo millions uh in the restaurants and kind of clawed my way out with real estate but with so many like with so many people it's with single family house investing so in my case i was flipping houses I, all my money was deployed in the restaurants and so I just bucket, it was, it was leaking, it was leaking on the bottom and I was shoveling stuff on the bottom, on the top by flipping houses. Right. So I was kind of staying afloat. I also then also got into an apartment building in 2011 and that was a, a nightmare in itself. But after a while it stabilized and it got really boring. It just sent, kept sending me mailbox money while I was flipping houses. And I was like, man, at one point I was like, I gotta, I gotta get off this treadmill I created for myself and maybe I should do more of that and less of this. And that's mm-hmm. kind of when I started shifting towards <clears throat> apartment buildings that was also the time where the restaurants where I was really losing money and I had run out of cash and I was going into debt and I was almost at the end of my debt runway, almost, almost uh, exhausted that, almost lost my house. And so it was a, it was a pretty stressful time for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where my faith of God was really tested for the first time. Cause I, always was going to church, read the Bible and stuff, but, but I really ha- never really had to exercise my faith in any meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Never really went through a challenging time, losing all your money, uh, and almost your house that, that does tests your, your character. And apparently I had some polishing that needed to be done uh, with me.
0: What did you learn, Michael?
1: The first thing I learned going out as an entrepreneur, like so many people, is that I don't control things. And I felt like uh, up to this point in my life, I controlled everything. I know if I studied hard, I'd get good grades. I know if I worked hard, I would get a promotion or I played office politics or did something. It was almost a cause and effect thing. And so as a result, I felt pretty confident in myself and my own abilities. When I went out an entrepreneur, I no longer controlled things. I could, uh, I could launch a marketing campaign, but I couldn't, I couldn't I was actually come in restaurants and buy our pizza or buy again, right? And so I felt, I felt a little helpless in that sense. You know, there was one, we did all these marketing, we bought a franchisee, uh, a restaurant and did everything. I had a great operator running the store and I knew marketing. So we did all these things. And despite everything we've done, sales didn't go anywhere for months and it was unbelievably frustrating. Um, and so letting go control was a pretty painful uh, lesson. And I've had to learn that lesson several times since then. So yeah. lack of control is, is probably one thing. Well, um, the other thing I learned was um, being remaining calm regarding of the circumstance. And I had a lot of things go, uh, not go my way. And, and it kind of comes in waves, right? So, so, you know, if something happens, something bad, and of course you resist it and you get angry and you get frustrated and you get disappointed and you get, maybe get depressed. And then at one point, because you have no other choice, you kind of accept your new fate and you paint like the, you know, the worst case scenario in your mind. You're like, all right, fine. Let me just operate here. And my worst case is here. And I've kind of grown a piece with it. And then, the worst case happens and it goes even worse in your worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And you repeat the cycle of, you know, of agony. And so I, I started asking myself the question rather than hemming and hawing and, 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 you know, getting upset. I asked myself the question, what should I be learning right now? Mm-hmm. What is this lesson I need to learn? And I started developing more of a faith in God that there is actually someone who cares about me and he's not going to let me hit a wall. Some he's looking out for me in ways I don't understand. Yeah. And I had that, once, once I had that experience a few times, I was able to, thank God, develop a sense of calm around me. I used to have an, an amazing talent for worry. I really was. I was extremely talented at worry. And I'm a very analytical person. So in my mind, I would create different possibilities and branch off those possibilities and those possibilities. And it was so uh, exhausting. I just couldn't sleep at all, you mm-hmm. know, all the possibilities that I could possibly, and it was a real problem. I prayed over it for a long period of time. And Thankfully, I've been cured of this now. I I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, but you know, being calm in uh, in a stressful situation because I know someone's watching out for me, uh, that has made all the difference.
0: Wow, yeah, that's huge, man. So, um, to to pick up from there, then, so you had this big IPO, you were sitting pretty, you make this big investment, you go to you know the valley, and then the valley, of the valleys. But now, like in some ways, like you're you're out of that. I mean, you have you know a couple thousand units under your belt. You're a leader in this apartment syndication world. You're a leader in you know talking about financial freedom. That's what I want to get into a little bit today. This idea of financial freedom. You talk about it a lot. You've helped a lot of people start that journey towards financial freedom. So. Let me first ask you to define what you mean by financial freedom because you kind of pointed it out there, but I don't think most people called it. What do you actually mean or what do you help people understand what financial freedom really is?
1: It's really a classic rich dad, poor dad definition. It's really where your passive income equals or exceeds your living expenses. And it's it's really a milestone. And the question is the milestone to what? So is financial freedom the end all be well? No, it is not. Is a milestone to what exactly? Now, -hmm. for many people, that is the milestone. That is the, that is the goal. Uh, but that is not the end. Because what happens if you reach that, right? So you reach that and you're like, well, now what? Uh, and for me, it's a stepping stone towards empowering people to consider a life of significance, uh, to leave a legacy. I, I remember I used, used to have, I, I know, I, 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 was, I was in a state of semi-retirement probably right before the recession, uh, uh, maybe even in 2000, after it had stabilized. And, you know, I would have this conversations, deep conversation with people. Alice, you know, you should really figure out what your passion is, your purpose, and live into that. And people were like, dude, what are you talking about? Dude, I work like 55 hours a week. I come home at night, you know, I, I barely have enough energy to put the kids to bed, help with dinner. And then I like crash in front of the TV only so I can get up and do it again. On the weekends, I do, I do some errands and maybe I can rest a little bit only so I can get up and do it Monday. What are you talking about? You're so out of touch. And so I found it very difficult to have converse, meaningful conversations with people uh, who were not financially free because they're working all the time. But then, an interesting thing happens when I observe people who became financially free, they started, they, they developed a temporary sense of confusion about them because they developed this vacuum in their brain that was formerly consumed by their full time job. And now it's no longer there. And they struggle with their life and their identity, even. Hmm. And, and then, once they get around that, and maybe they buy some stuff and go on vacations, and then they're like, ah, oh, what, is this life? Is this all there is? Like I'm getting kind of bored right now. And and most people then start asking bigger questions, like, why am I here? And now instead of being consumed by work or other things, they actually have the, the capacity to think about those, those things. And many then that they, they turn trying to figure out how they can best serve people. Like that's the bottom line. My observation is most people friendship free. You know, uh, they kind of check, check themselves off. They put the oxygen mask on themselves and their kids and their wife. And they're like, okay, where else? what should I do now with my next oxygen mask? And they start looking outward and they start podcasts and teaching platforms or write books. Uh, they get more involved in, in volunteer work and that's the power of financial freedom. And, and, it, and money, you know, is an important thing. Expenses is a real thing. You can't just stick your head in the sand and say, oh, money is the root of all, all evil. I'm, I'm just going to ignore it because it's bad. No, it's not bad. It's just, it's just a thing. And you have to address it somehow. And if you don't address it, it's going to control you right. versus the other way around. And if you have money working for you in, in this capacity of financial freedom, it opens to you up to greatness almost. It kind of unleashes your full potential. So that's kind of my drive behind financial freedom is, the idea is that more people are financially free, you know, more people can live more empowered lives.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love that the idea that financial freedom is like that. We call it the halftime. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. this, I love what you said, stepping stone half-time. on the path. It's, it's
1: success on the path of significance, right? Yeah,
0: yeah that's exactly, exactly it. But let me ask you this though, because um, a lot of people probably listen to the show are not financially free. And, and just, I love to define that again, like it's not necessarily having $10 million in the bank it's having enough passive income to cover your expenses to live the life of freedom that you, that you have determined. I think it's an incredible definition. And most people think about financial freedom as I'm, I'm a, you know, I got $10 million sitting in the bank and the way we define it is much different. Um, I think it's much more simple, much more achievable. Um, But let me ask you this because a lot of people in your community and my community as well, we talk about financial freedom a lot. We're in this world of real estate investing how do we if you're in that kind of time where again you're just kind of spinning your wheels you're working hard at your job you're trying to invest in real estate or you're building this business and you can see it can eventually get you there but you're not financially free yet you know we're kingdom people we're christian people what i what i don't want to see though is people put off this life of significance this life of purpose until they become financially free and the reason i say is our our model, our leader, our teacher, Jesus himself was never financially free. So what is your thoughts there about how do we help people on this path to financial freedom at the same time continue to be about the kingdom, continue to live this life of significance? um even before maybe that half time what, what's your thoughts yeah
1: no i agree with that it's, it's not a sequential a- approach right uh-huh. you're, you're absolutely right you, you don't need to be financially free to live a life of significance I, i'm not saying that i think the probability goes up a lot once you are financially free and it's much harder to do that you have to be very very intentional um if you're struggling to make you know you're you're, you're working a full-time job and you're supporting a family it's um it's just practically speaking a much more challenge. So you have to be more intentional with that. So absolutely right. You should live a life of significance right now. Absolutely. It's a choice that you, you make. Um, I do think though, it does, it's accelerated significantly if you are financially free. And by the way, yeah. Jesus was financially free. So is mother Teresa, right? Everybody's, everything was provided for them. They didn't have to work a full-time job. If they did, I wonder what, you know, the impact of mother Teresa would have been, or even Jesus, if if he had to work as a carpenter full-time, even Paul to a large degree while he was working on the side, it wasn't his primary income and therefore he was able to focus on, on others. So there's something very powerful about having your expenses taken care of one way or the other ways, whether it's passive income from apartment buildings or you are uh, you know, or you get financial donations, it doesn't really matter. At the, at the end of the day, what matters is that your t- expenses are being taken care of, so you don't have to worry and focus about that. You can focus in other ways.
0: Yeah, no, that's right on. What, where do you see this idea of financial freedom? Like, we, we hear this a lot in our communities. Maybe there's some, can you point out, um, just because we are Christians, and we really want to do honor God in this pursuit I don't know. Is there anything that sticks out, maybe that could kind of get people away from the, even the message we're talking about, like where they begin to fall into this trap of, you know, financial freedom kind of becomes the end goal? Do you see that happening often in certain times or in certain ways, and that you can speak to?
1: I don't know. I I don't know about that. I, I see I see more the I see more the opposite as and there's things that get in the way of them pursuing financial freedom, and it's normally things like fear mm-hmm. or busyness of uh, things of that nature. I think that's but I see most people getting, and of course, if that happens, it's also going to get in the way of a life of significance. It's the same thing. Anytime you're trying to do anything meaningful and significant in your life, it requires intention and focus over long periods of time. So I think that's more the enemy. The enemy is really fear, procrastination, busyness, excuses for everything in life, whether financial freedom or living a life of significance. At the end of the day, they're both significant things. Uh, uh, that require uh, focus over long periods of time and intentionality.
0: What's the biggest turning point that you see, like that people got to get past when they kind of come into your community, your education community, you know, to start this journey. Like what is that first pillar that they got to get over to really start on this journey?
1: You know, it's interesting. It's, it's really a decision point. You know, we, we Christians talk about a conversion experience and I, I and, and the reason we talk about conversion experience is because everything comes down to a decision point. I have this, I have this, uh, this sign here. It's a, a Tony Robbins quote it says it is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. Mm. And if I trace back, specifically because I study financial freedom or when people decide they're going to get into multifamily, like, and many, most people remember the precise moment they decided to get into multifamily. It's typically uh, something, life altering where they came to realization that they can't be in the same place this time next year or in two years or in five years or 10 years and something happened that is so specific where they said enough is enough and they make a choice right then and there that they want a different life and it's that fundamental it's like that with anything whether it's a conversion experience or, or financial freedom it's a it's a it's a decision point and when someone now someone could tell you they made a decision but they actually didn't and you can always tell by the actions afterwards that they don't follow through or they fall, fall away. They actually didn't truly, truly make a decision, but people who actually truly have made a decision uh, without exception, they then literally transform their lives because it can be no other way. They've made a decision and it's going to be this way. And it's almost like God says, hey, good for you. You know what? I'm just going to grant you what you've already decided to be true in faith. And it, so it shall be. And if you don't make that, you send mixed signals into the universe, and God's like, I'm confused. What do you want exactly? You know, I I can't help you. (laughs) You know, so the decision point is, in my mind, is absolutely everything. And yes, you can talk about tactics and things of that moving forward, but really, it's fundamentally you trace everything back to a particular decision moment
0: or the lack thereof. Do you feel like do you often see that decision moment is included with some type of big action, or what does that often look like?
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I would I would say so if, if you can you can always tell someone's made a decision by the action that they take, mm-hmm. because like I said, they've already decided something, and so you have to naturally act from from that decision point. And if you don't, you can ask yourself, well, did you really authentically make that decision, or maybe did you lie to yourself, or maybe you weren't clear about your decision? So yes, absolutely. The, you know, strong action follows any kind of decision.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. I want to go. I want to get into a little bit of Michael Blanc again, because people want to know who who Michael Blanc is. And so we talked about this before the show. So I feel okay asking this, but I get the question a lot, Michael. Is Michael Christian? He talks about these spiritual things so much in his show. So people want to know more about you, man. Like, you know who is the Michael Blanc behind the mic, and kind of you know where is his journey at? with God, and, and then where is God leading you right now? And so oh, I don't want to put the pressure on you too much, man. But I think people want to know, like, where are you? Who are you? You know, you what can't is pigeonhole
1: the- me, Ellis. You can't. Hey, do I'm it. not, man. I'm not trying to pigeonhole
0: but I think people want to know. Who I is, know you're trying, but uh, you know, who is Michael?
1: I so here's here's it. I I'm I, I'm I'm a Christian. I grew up Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a, a a bit of a unique view on Christianity. I think I think humans as soon as they get the, the hold of the word of God, screw it up, especially over long periods of time. And Christians are no different than, than that. So I think, I think Jesus' message and, and God's message originally has been kind of screwed up over the years. Um, I, was very, I was involved in my, in my church. You know, Obviously, church attendance has been down over the last 15, 10, 15 years. And, and our, our pastor wanted to study this. So what we decided to do is to, is to, uh, is to, is to reach out and poll the audience about why there were not going to church or stop going to church. And it was fascinating. It really was. First of all, there was a variety of different reasons people stopped going to church. It could have been, you know, hypocrisy or they didn't want to be preached at or blah, blah, whatever the reason was. Yeah. But they were all, when you asked the question, do you, do you believe in God? They would always say, well, of course. Uh, well, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Do you pray? And they were like, yeah, duh. And that was odd, right? So me, it was odd. I, I always associated one with the other. And, and, and it turned out that, you know, you going to church does not necessarily mean that you don't believe in God or pray or even have a relationship with God. Now, I could question, you know, that you should probably be in a community of, of, of others to strengthen your relationship. But the thing that I thought, which is designed to strengthen your relationship with God, which is church, apparently did exactly the opposite. So that was a head scratcher, right? Head scratcher to me. And so we started engaging people uh, in, you know, neutral areas, such as the bar or the restaurant, or the coffee bar. And we started attracting all kinds of crazy people. You know, we had we had the uh, you know we had the agnostics, and uh, we had we had uh, we had that uh, the Hindus there. We had you know the former Presbyterian, and it's interesting. Within seconds, you know, when you meet a pe- pe- people and you you know you you small talk and you talk about stupid stuff. So, you know, the first thing, well, go ahead and introduce yourself. This is a, a round a safe environment, meaningful conversation, no judging, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, go ahead and introduce yourself. And the guy would go on for 10 minutes talking about <laughs> his childhood. And it was amazing that people opened up. And it was an interesting experience for me. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I think that we serve a bigger God than we think we do. Mm. That's all I got to say. I think he loves us a lot more than, than we Christians even think we mm-hmm. do. And uh, so I have developed a little bit of a an odd Christian viewpoint, and I I've, I've reread the Bible in in from a, this kind of odd viewpoint, and I can't find any I cannot find anything that contradicts you know my odd viewpoint. Um, however, the interpretation is can be quite a bit different. So sometimes I struggle talking with traditional Christians over traditional uh, doctrine that I may have developed a, um, a different view on in yeah. substantial amount of prayer. I don't want to get into it now because I'm not a, yeah, theologian. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I love the Bible though, more. And what's
0: clear from what I can tell and getting to know you over the past, you know, six months or so, you have a big heart, you love people and you're on a massive mission to really help people live a life of significance. And that man has, has been so cool to watch. But I do think it's so, and I appreciate you just going there with me, and I, I know we did agree with that on the show, that or before the show, but I think it's cool, man. I think people want to, you know, you, you serve a big audience. You, you have a purpose beyond just having people think about financial freedom. Like, you are a leader for so many, and so, you know, it's cool. I appreciate the honesty, man, of just kind of taking back the veil a little bit, because it is interesting how many people ask me that, so... Anyways, man, I'm thankful for your platform and what you're doing there. It's pretty cool.
1: You asked the other question, you know, kind of where am I going? I don't really know exactly hmm. that question. I, I, always, I always feel like God's preparing me for something, and I don't really know exactly what it is. So I can't really answer that. There's a second part of that question. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know where this is all going. I don't know. I, I was kind of, I'm kind of, in some degree, putting the next step, one step in front of the, uh, in front right. Of the
0: other. Right. So um, we surveyed a lot of real estate investors on this show. There's a lot of investor folks on this show in our mastermind, there's a lot of investors. I feel like what I've watched you do over the course of, you know, the last two years or whatever is really kind of build out a really strong pipeline of, uh, we're going completely, we're completely shifting topics, by the way, this is the kingdom capital show. So we can do that. Um, I want to help investors really think about growing their business. And so you deal with a lot of them, you interact with a lot of them, you know, a lot of folks come into this business and they kind of treat it like a side hustle right? They're investing business and they, they're they kind of looking for deals. They're kind of raising money. What advice or what has, is the systems that you really help people think and maybe kind of the f- first few steps to really help them think about their investing journey more as a business and not just a side hustle that, you know, w- what is the difference there between someone who's just kind of messing around in real estate and someone who's actually really getting serious about pursuing financial freedom?
1: It, it's, a, it's a good question. But the truth is almost every business starts off as a side hustle. Uh, you know, even it's, it's the only difference could be maybe the mindset and the way people approach it, right? Some people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat this like the business from day one, and I'm going to scale this to the best of my ability. Others are uh, really kind of start on the side. And when, when it produce, produce, starts producing the income, they then, you know, shift out of their full-time job. I don't know if honestly, Ellis, if, if one is better than, than, than the other. I, th- I think they all end up in the same place. Whether you start it and you think of it as a side hustle and it starts paying your bills and then and you shift full time or you say from day one, I'm going to create a business out of this. I, I don't know. I, it's in my mind inconclusive which for is those the better who route. Want,
0: I guess for those who want this to really start generating more passive income, they want this to become a business and those steps and being, for And, and steps the reason I say that is because you, you, can,
1: you can reach financial freedom literally with your first multifamily deal, at least in, in my world. And this is mm-hmm. something that I call the law of the first deal that says once you do your first multifamily deal of any size, you will be financially free in three to five years. It's this universal phenomenon that I've observed. And so therefore, all I have to do is inspire and help you to do your first deal. And it could be a deal of any size. It could be as small as a duplex, believe, believe it or not. And that essentially sets the law in motion. And that second and third deal basically follow in, in rapid, almost automatic succession. And most people uh, can meaningfully cover the living expenses in just three multifamily deals. So, whether you approach that first deal as a, as a side hustle or a business, doesn't really matter. What happens is, though, when someone does become financially free or they, at least see, the, they see the light at end of the tunnel, they're like, I need one more deal and I'm done. Once that happens, at that point, then they do shift in a, in a meaningful way to focusing full-time on, on that a way full-time, full-time focusing on and At that point it does become a real business because they have their full-time focus on it. And people, uh, c- contrary don't st- uh, stop working hard. In fact, they even work harder, but now they're working for themselves. And now they really want to create something of significance that they can potentially pass on to their, uh, you know, to their, to their children.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, for those who are, we got a couple of guys in there, you know, if like you've done a good job of this. You teach people doing this, this idea of raising capital, kind of creating leads for, regular for your business. What are some of the methods or even strategies you teach to help people kind of start generating a more regular, consistent flow on, I mean, let's say on both sides, deal and capital. I mean, what does it really take to kind of get something consistent where you see, you start seeing some momentum happening? Well,
1: consistency, you mentioned it. The, the mm-hmm. key is consistency. And so you are really doing, do things that all at the same time. You're constantly analyzing deals and making offers. And you're constantly talking to investors. So the deal flow you really generate through brokers. Uh, you can send yellow letters all you want. You can go to the local courthouse. But those are all either advanced strategies or ones you should never use because they're not really high leverage. So it's really a matter of building relationships with brokers. And you don't need dozens of brokers feeding you deals. You need three or four deal uh, brokers are feeding you deals on a consistent basis and you got more deals than you know what to do with. So building, focusing on three to five top broker relationships is key. Uh, And then uh, also just having conversations with potential investors in the early on and on a one-on-one basis, you know, just as you're meeting people developing your, your skill and how to talk about these things and then ultimately moving that conversation online and building an online thought leadership platform, right? So once you've raised $500,000, a million dollars, you're like, you know, how, you know, I just, I just spoke to hundred investors. How do I now reach a thousand investors? Right. And you can't do that with one-on-one conversations. And at that point you do start moving that conversation online and building a thought leadership
0: platform. What are some ways people can get into this if they don't want to be the active operator themselves?
1: And that's what I love about this is that we've been talking a lot about the active uh, side of things. How do I find deals? How do I raise money? How do I operate these deals? But the truth is an almost uh, almost equal way to achieve the same goal of financial freedom, cash flow, wealth building is by passively investing in these commercial real estate, uh, what's called syndications. And uh you know, the cash the cash flow is there. You actually have cash flow from these investments. So you don't get that through the stock market. You have a consistent return, which you don't get through the stock market, stock markets up and down and up mm-hmm. and down, mm-hmm. and you're like, What's where's this thing going? And um, and then you also have uh, amazing tax advantages that you don't have in the stock market, right? And so really the message is for people who have money to invest, who have probably traditionally invested it in the stock market is, man, you know, take a look at these alternative investments and syndications is probably the best one. Certainly from a tax perspective, it's the best one.
0: Can we, let me pause you because I think that's, you. we have a lot of business owners, a lot of folks who are high income earners listening to this show. Um, what do you mean is so tax efficient? And let's let's let me give you a, a, an example here. We got a ten million dollar property. They're going to put in hundred to one hundred fifty k into a project. Why is it so tax advantageous to invest in something like a syndication deal?
1: Well, I don't know why. It just it just is. The IRS, the government, apparently favors people who invest in real estate. But uh, you know, the, what it, happens, for practical yeah. in practical matters, what happens is, let's say you invest one hundred thousand dollars in a syndication, you know, and we send you eight thousand dollars back in cash flow every single year. And you go out and do whatever you want to do with that $8,000. Meanwhile, on your K-1, your tax document you get at the end of the year, it shows a $50,000 loss. And your CPA is like, oh, my gosh, you're a, I'm so sorry. You're a terrible investor. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, I'm a good investor. I made money. Because you did? Yeah, I made money. But that's the, that's the actual paper loss uh, through depreciation. And when, when this depreciation has been around for decades. But when Trump got elected, whatever, three years ago, introduced this thing of bonus depreciation that allows you to write off nearly the entire purchase price of the property as an expense in the first year. Before that, the only thing you could do that was, was oil, actually oil, oil drilling. If you invested in oil, you could do the same thing now and now real estate actually is the best tax advantage. And so what happens is you have this $50,000 loss on your K one and you ate up $8,000 of it next year. uh, You you can get to carry that loss forward and offset any kind of gains. Now, when you sell it though, you got to pay the piper at one point, right? Because you you basically, your basis was lowered significantly. And so theoretically, when you sell, you'd have to then pay capital gains tax, which is true unless you do a tax-affirmed strategy. And there's actually several, several out there. You can either do a 1031 exchange, which allows you to put the proceeds into this fund and then use it to buy another property. Therefore the, the gains are then you know, kicked down the road. There's something called the deferred sales trust. And also using depreciation is if you sell something in one year and you bought something and apply the depreciation against your gains, you actually offset the gain. So wow. there are so many different tax things you can use with route out not available else. And so that makes this class very exciting, coupled with the fact that the risk profile is amazing. How multifamily performed in the last recession, how it's performing now, it's insane. So you're mm-hmm. making this, this above average return, not paying in taxes, and it performs really well in bad times. Like, what's the catch?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're both bullish on it. Let me ask you this, though. With COVID-19, you know, a lot of guys in our community were chatting about some different things and benefits, even kind of being able to write stuff off in the past because of COVID-19. Have you seen anything like that come out that might actually help investors um, that's new in light of COVID-19?
1: what do you mean what would help a new investor with what as uh, on the active side as the operator or
0: or well, passive both, both uh you know have a couple of active operators and I, I don't know the strategies exactly yet we're talking with some CPAs but they're actually able to go back on previous projects and write off different uh you know different depreciation expenses and kind of carry some of those things forward even further being able to benefit and kind of write off some of this stuff. So I don't know if you'd seen anything at the, like that yet or heard of anything like that yet.
1: Not not, not not, directly related to COVID, but for example, if you have not done a cost segregation analysis, which is, which is what's required, you can go back five years in time. So let's say you bought a building three years ago and you failed to do a cost segregation analysis to take advantage of bone depreciation. You can do that retroactively. And so maybe that's what they're talking about mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, we'll um, look into it.
1: On the active side, you know, uh, property managers typically have taken care of the PPP program and to some degree pass it on to the operator as well. And, um, <clears throat> but I mean, so far, like I said, the collections have been fairly even. People are choosing to pay their rents, which is good. And and I think maybe in an environment of, of uncertainty about their health and their jobs, the one thing they can control is where they live. And they don't want to mess with that. Maybe it's just a theory of mine yeah also there's a lot of subsidies flowing into especially in the affordable uh lower income brackets and so that that appears to be then flowing to the owners which is good again i don't know where that's going to go in 3 to 6 months i don't know how <laughs> what's 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 ahead but so far it's it's been okay and uh we've it opened up the the, the opportunity for us to actually engage with our tenants more on a much more you know a, a communicative basis as in you know we can't just file an eviction we actually have to now work it out and that opens up a whole new you know, communication lines with our tenants, which has been really interesting.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, Michael, what's next for you, man? What's, you know, you said you said you didn't know what, you know, you're, you know, not sure what the five, 10 year vision is. And what about 12, 18 months, what you working on, man? What, what, what are our you know, I, know I, about?
1: I, I, I'm expanding the, the platform. So I, I, you know, we feel like this, uh, this message of financial freedom, if you're thinking real estate investing is a, is a broad one. And so I just want to, I just want to uh, grow that platform. And really talk to people who are active, who want to be active entrepreneurs, but also talk to people who want to be passive. And sometimes they want to be both. There's overlap as well. And um, they're really identifying the different ways that people can achieve the same goal. So on the active side, there's different roles. You can focus on capital raising. You can focus on deal finding. You can be the chief analyst. You can be the marketer. There's different ways, and then the joint venturing is very powerful. So what I love about it is, there's almost for everyone. There's a role, and for almost for everyone, regardless of what your strengths or weaknesses are, there's a way for you to create financial freedom, and yeah. that is really powerful, and that's really exciting. So I just, I feel like we just need to expand the the message uh, out there.
0: Well, if people want to learn more about that message, where where can they go to get a hold of you or kind of get go down that that route?
1: Yeah, uh, the the website is the Michael Blanc. It's spelled B-L-A-N-K. So the michaelblank.com is our website. You can just Google apartment building investing. You can find me. Uh, the book is uh, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It's a, it's a yellow book. It's on, on Amazon. It's a great foray into, into the space of financial freedom with real estate.
0: Yeah, we'll put both of those on the show. And then you got a, you got a virtual conference coming up, man. I, I think this will be out before that. So tell us a little bit about that so guys can learn about this.
1: Yeah, it's Dealmaker Live. Uh, the website okay. is dealmakerliveevent.com. And it's July 15 to 18. It was going to be in Dallas, but gosh, now it's going to be online virtual. So we've been able to secure the same lineup of speakers. We're going to have some really cool uh, networking opportunities there. So I'm really excited about that. It's, it's a whole new thing for everyone, really. There's really no precedence. You know, we have like four weeks of history on the virtual conference space. <laughs> so it's been kind of cool, but I'm really looking forward to it. And that's, uh, that's going to be in July.
0: Yeah, good luck, man. We did a big summit with Kingdom Capitalists back in April, and uh, it was great. Is the lot, it, honestly, I feel like it's more work to do a virtual summit sometimes than it is to do an in person. Even though they're both a beast, but so I wish you the best in that. Listen, man, I, I um, I think we should do like some type of you know we should bring our communities together and do like a cruise or something. You know, like I feel like there's so much synergy here in this idea of you know going from success to significance. Wouldn't that be fun, man? Like, don't we need to do like just a, a cruise somewhere? Or, like, just do something crazy.
1: Cruise sounds <laughs> good, you know. So, I really com- combining the just is a, is a powerful one, and uh, really the first step for most people is a success step because they don't allow themselves to really think about the significance, but they they really belong together. Yeah. So, the book halftime you mentioned is a very powerful book that really puts those so they they really belong together and you know i need to start talking more about that you know financial freedom to what end what what exactly why is that important so i appreciate you uh you know talking about this on on the show
0: yeah man well i'm so glad to have you on thanks for just being open to chat about all kind of stuff and uh i know our audience is really thankful too man so definitely guys if you're not listening to michael blanc's podcast show go check that one out start with uh i forget what number we were michael we were um so everybody can go i thought it was just a really fun show we did together number um 205 on uh, apartment building investing, go check out that show of me and Michael and uh, check them out on his website, the Michael block, um, the Michael right? Is that it? That's it. Excellent. All right, guys, thanks again. Listen, if you enjoyed this, uh, go take a screenshot of this episode. Michael does a lot on social media, so do I. Um, tag us, let us know what you thought of this show um, and that way we can continue to get this message out. And if you haven't already, leave us a five star review. That's how we're getting this message. That's how we're getting amazing guests like Michael. So please, please, please uh, take just a minute right now to go share this episode on social media and then leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guest of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.